This reading is from Acts, chapter 24, the trial before Felix. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and uh, they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reform to this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that is written in the prophets, and I have the same hope in God as these men, that there will be a resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these here who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin, unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. It is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now, you may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently 
and talked with them. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favour to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Hello, lovely people, and it is so lovely to be with you again. Before we go any further, shall we pray? Father God, we do thank you for your word. And we ask now that where we are, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to hear your word. Help us to hear the things that you want us to hear. And Lord, help us to turn away and forget the things that you want us to forget. Be with us now as we unpack the scriptures and what they are saying to us. In the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen. Many years ago, when I was training to be a vicar, I spent quite a long time in placement with the RAF. And I was based at RAF Lynham near Swindon. And I've got to be honest, it was a placement that I was slightly dreading. Not being from a kind of military background, I didn't know what to make of it all. But I was also quite excited as well. Since I was a kid, I loved the film Top Gun. And in my head, that's what the RAF was all about. So I made my way there, not really knowing what to expect. But by the time I finished, I can tell you I absolutely loved it. I didn't love it for the fast planes and the people and the cool uniforms, nor did I love it for all the other military things that were there. Those things were really interesting, fascinating, and I did like them and really love them, actually, if I'm being honest. But the reason why I loved it so much was the people. While I was at that base, I met all manner of people. I met 18-year-olds who were just starting out in their military careers, much older people as well. Officers of all ranks coming together. Those who are working on the technical side and those who would do things more on the front line. I met lots of people who would do supporting things like administration, of course the chaplains and paramedics as well. Every one of them had something in common and that was the military had affected their lives in such a way. Now, while I was there, this was a time when the UK forces still had quite the presence in Afghanistan and Iraq. And pretty much everyone other than the 18-year-olds I came across had spent some time in the theatre of war. So my natural question to them as somebody who's never been to war was, what was it like? And more importantly, what did the world feel like when you came back? It was a paramedic who gave me the most honest answer of it all. And he said to me, you know what, when you're there in Afghanistan, you're flying out constantly, you're really doing your best to save lives, you're saving British lives, American lives, and even Afghan lives, you're just saving lives wherever you can. You see the worst things of life, and it's horrific, and it is absolutely life-changing. And then you come home, and you have to make sense of the world again. And the world that we live in is just so frustrating. And he said when he came back for the first few weeks, all he wanted to do was get cross and angry. When he was in a shop, he'd see someone quibbling over two pence and he'd get really angry. When he was returning to a place of work or an office, 
he would see people coming in with politics from the office and all the rest, and he'll get really angry. Sometimes he'd watch people argue over car parking spaces or something like that, and it'd make him really angry. And all he wanted to do was carry around with him some kind of button that made a noise. And every time he saw this nonsense, this rubbish, and life being wasted, he just wanted to press it and just say, that is rubbish. Now when we think about it, many of us have probably been in something of a similar situation to that. Certainly not all of us have been to war or the theatre of war, but all of us have perhaps been through experiences where we get frustrated with life. We could be frustrated in the office at work or the factory or something that happens in school. We could be frustrated listening to people showing off about their lives. We could be frustrated when we're watching the TV or the news. We could be frustrated so much that all we want to do ourselves is have some kind of button that we can press and go, no, that is absolute rubbish and call out the nonsense where we see it. Now as it happens, we don't have such a button that makes such a noise. We have just ourselves and our ability to call it out when we see it. But if such a thing should exist, it would do a lot of use in our reading today. The trial before Felix of Paul. Now on the surface, this trial looks like the real deal. This is the first real trial that Paul has been on. Yes, he's been on trial before, but they've kind of been in Mickey Mouse kangaroo kind of courts. This is a real court of law. This is a Roman court. This is stuff out of Perry Mason or 12 Angry Men. There is a judge, there is prosecution, there is defense. This is absolutely legit. And Paul is being tried as a Roman citizen. But that is on the surface. Underneath the surface, there is a lot of rubbish that is going on. This trial is taking place in Caesarea. And the chief priests and the Jews make the journey down there to give their particular account of Paul and his life to Governor Felix. And they begin with this kind of completely and utterly sickening sucking up to him. Oh, Felix, you're so great. Oh, Felix, the Romans are so great. We've enjoyed such a time of peace here. Isn't it brilliant what you've done? We don't want to burden you too much. And words like that. Boom! That is absolute rubbish. The Jews hated the Romans. They really resented that the Romans were in their homeland. They wanted rid of the Romans and wanted to have the land back to themselves. The very fact that they were sucking up to try and pander to Felix just shows that their hearts weren't in the right place. It was rubbish, and we can call it out as rubbish straight away. Then you get this business that Felix went alongside, that they were living in a time of peace. Everybody's agreeing. It's been a wonderful few years since he's been governor. Boom! Again, absolute rubbish. Felix reigned over one of the worst times in Israel's history. There were so many rebellions and trouble and horrible things going on. But nobody calls it out. It is a load of rubbish. And then you have Felix himself coming over like this big great judge, listening like an elder statesman. But actually, boom, 
There's a lot of rubbish in all of that as well. Felix was absolutely corrupt. This was a mock trial. All he wanted from Paul was money. All he wanted was a bribe. If Paul had bribed him, he could have set him free and said, job done. Wherever you look, all you can see is bum, rubbish. All you can see is corruption. There is only one person in the whole reading who comes out with any credibility. And that is Paul himself. Because Paul was Paul. He stood firm in the Lord and all he spoke was truth. Paul was completely and utterly uncompromising in what he believed and why he believed it. And he was uncompromising in communicating what it is he believed. And he was saying the same things that he said since his conversion, saying the same things since the early chapters of this book of Acts. He was telling it as it is, that he was doing nothing wrong. He was a legitimate Jew and a legitimate Roman citizen who had discovered the way of Jesus and was just telling people about it. There was nothing illegal in that. And he was absolutely right. He wasn't trying to lie to get out of trouble or manipulate people to get attention on himself or try and break the law in any kind of way. Paul stood up for what was right. He was uncompromising in his integrity. And you know what? There is so much inspiration there for us because we ourselves need to be uncompromising in our integrity as well. Uncompromising on the truth that we stand on the truth of the word of God and what we believe. I've said this before and perhaps it's worth repeating and I believe that we live in one of the most dangerous times that there is to be a Christian. Probably the most dangerous time since the invention of the printing press many hundreds of years ago. Because there are so many different things out there about what you can be as a follower of Jesus. And almost you can pick the way that you want to go and go there. You can pick and choose the beliefs that you want to have out of this bag. You can take out what you want from the pick and mix and say, this is what I stand for. Take in what you want, disregard the things that you don't want and go that way. But actually, we are called to be uncompromising. We are called to take it all in, the easy stuff and the hard stuff. And that's what Paul was doing in the context of this as well. It could have been so easy for him to say, yeah, I met this guy called Jesus and yeah, oh, I kind of believe it, but maybe I don't. Oh, just let me go, will you? I promise I won't preach him again. But he didn't. He was uncompromising on it. He stood on truth. He stood on truth and he stood on more truth. And there was real inspiration in all of that. It is so easy for us to be corrupted but we need to remember always to stand on truth. Even more years ago, when I was studying for my first degree in university, I was in my third year and I was going through a phase of thinking, I don't need to go to lectures. And we started this particular module on equality studies. And I thought that sounds like a load of rubbish to me. I don't want to go to it. So I missed the first week. I missed the second week. I missed the third week and I missed the fourth week. And then after that fourth week, a sign went on our notice board to say, will Kyrion Reese come and see me? And it was from the lecturer. 
Now, I looked at that sign and I got really angry. I went and I sat with my friends from my course and I was a bit there going, who does she think she is saying I need to go and see you? Don't she know I pay my tuition fees? I can pick and choose what I want to do. If I don't want to do it, I shouldn't have to do it. What business of hers if I don't want to go? As long as I do the work. And I was just acting like a complete and a prat in it all. I was looking for any excuse to get out of trouble, to justify my own actions, and pretty much to lie my way out of a situation. And then there was this mature student on our course who absolutely loves the Lord now, by the way, as well, and a wonderful man who just said to me in a very valleys type way, take it on the chin, but you've done something wrong. Go there, apologize, put it right. And it was one of the best bits of advice I had because he was speaking to me and thinking, you've been a numpty trying to lie your way out or justify yourself. You did wrong. Put it right and stand on truth. We need to be people of truth. And if Liz was here preaching this, she would say these words that actually our integrity is central to our mission. People see us, they see our truth and they think, yes, there is something in that. And that was certainly true for Paul as well. When people saw Paul, they might have seen a man who was annoying. They might have seen a man who was completely uncompromising. They might have seen a man that they wanted to shake and say, oh, come on, will you just give in for goodness sake? But they also saw a man who was unwilling to let himself be compromised, unwilling to be seen in other, any other way than integrity and standing on the truth of Christ. And Paul achieved so much for the gospel of the Lord. And that we can't deny. We need to be uncompromising on the truth that we are willing to stand on. But we also need to be uncompromising on something else as well. And that is our compassion. Standing on truth is one thing. And talking about truth is one thing. But here's another truth. The Lord is completely compassionate and completely loving. Though there is wrong in the world, he loves all people. And his desire is for all people to come into his kingdom. The Lord doesn't give up on anyone. He wants to welcome all people into his family. And as much as Paul was uncompromising on standing what was truth, he was also uncompromising in the compassion that he demonstrated. And we see that in this reading as well. Paul spent two years imprisoned with Governor Felix. Two years, longer than the COVID thing that we've been living in. Two years in that place. And he could have got out of prison. All he had to do was offer up a bit of cash and Felix would have let him go. From time to time, Felix came to see him and Paul spoke to him. And Paul could have said to him, you know what, Felix, you're a wrong and you are coming here for a bribe. And by the way, you've treated the people of Israel with absolute contempt. You're not all that. But he didn't. He didn't judge him. He told him about the love of Christ. And every time Felix came to see him, he would tell him again about the love of Christ. And this went on for two years. Paul never gave up. His compassion was with, with Felix. And his desire was for Felix to come to know the Lord. He never gave up on him. And we need never give up on people as well. 
We need to walk with people wherever they are. Stand up on truth, yes, but love them absolutely just like Jesus did. Love them, talk to them about Jesus, pray for them, invite them to church, invite them to something else connected with church. Just show them that they aren't judged by us, but they are loved by us. And that's what Paul absolutely did in this reading today. And I'm just going to say this. There are some people in this world who is difficult to love. There are some people in this world who absolutely annoy the heck out of us. There are some people in this world who are completely obnoxious to us, and especially because of what we believe. And one of the most tempting things for us to say is, you know what, I am right, you are wrong, deal with it. But that's not the way of the Lord in this context. I remember being told the story many years ago of a guy in my hometown of Merthyr Tidville who every Sunday would sit on a bench and he would speak to people who were on their way to church and tell them they were completely off the boil. They were believing in fairy tales, they were speaking rubbish and all the rest of it. Now as it happened, this was a very personal situation for him because his wife was one of these Christians. It was a real source of contention, if you will, and it was for a lot of people. His views on the church and Christianity were well known and well documented. But people in that church, and his wife especially, refused to just go, Oh, what a pain he is, will he just shut up? They committed to loving him, praying for him, and asking that the Lord would touch his heart in some way. And this went on for ever such a long time. Until one day, his wife came home, I think from work, and he was just stood at the top of the stairs and he just said, I believe. He completely gave his life to the Lord and the Lord absolutely transformed his heart. Standing on truth is one thing. Being compassionate is something else. And we can't have one without the other. We need to do both. Now, I don't know what happened to Felix. I don't know if Paul's words had any kind of thing on his heart. I don't know if they moved his heart or after he moved on, he went back to it. Or he just forgot about it. But I do know that Paul didn't give up on him. And Paul didn't give up on him because God didn't give up on him. And we need never give up on people. We need to be people who are completely uncompromising. Uncompromising in what we believe and uncompromising in our love as well. And through that uncompromising heart, see God's kingdom be built. There was so much rubbish going on in this reading from the Jews, from Felix, from so many other things. What on the service looked to be a good, legit, organised thing was full of nonsense. But there was one thing that wasn't nonsense, and that was the way of the Lord. And that is the way that we are called to follow as well. Let us follow the way of the Lord. Let us be uncompromising in all these ways. And may people see the Lord at work in us. And may the Lord touch more lives as well. May poor people come to faith and may God's kingdom truly grow. And I just want to pray for us now. Father God, we give you thanks for your word. And we give you thanks that Paul was uncompromising 
before Felix and while on trial. We give thanks that he was uncompromising the truth that he was willing to stand on and we pray that with the help of your Holy Spirit we would be uncompromising as well. But we give thanks also for the compassion he had and we pray that we would be uncompromising our compassion as well. And we lift to you now the people who we struggle with, the people in our churches we struggle with, the people in society we struggle with, and people especially in authority who we struggle with. Lord, we recognise before you that all authority comes from you and you give authority. And we pray for those who are in those authority places now, that you would move their hearts to come to a deeper and better knowledge of you. We pray for people who perhaps aren't in authority but still annoy us, that you would bless them as well and help them to see you at work. We pray for ourselves as we engage in this world. May we walk always in the way of your Son, Jesus Christ. Where it's hard, help us. Where we struggle, carry us. Where we feel hurt, heal us and bless us as we walk with you. For in the name of Jesus, your Son, we pray. Amen.